welcome to Easy, Easy Bake, Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast, where we read the reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this week, we are doing the 2008 film, film, Cloverfield. <laughs> <laughs> film? Film. Because this is a film. This is cinema. This is cinema. <laughs> um, we were talking a little bit before. It's very 2008. Yes. It's like if Jersey Shore was a sci-fi mm-hmm. movie. Oh, I would love that so much. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I would pay for that. Anyway. Ghosts are here. <laughs> so stupid. Anyway. <laughs> this movie's called Cloverfield. came out in 2008. It's rated PG-13. And it's an hour and 25 minutes long. So I'm going to go ahead and read the plot. The film was presented as footage from a personal camcorder received by the U.S. Department of Defense in the area formerly known as Central Park, bearing a disclaimer stating multiple sightings of a case designated Cloverfield. This earlier footage, recorded on April 27, 2008, shows Robert Hawkins waking up with Elizabeth McIntyre in her father's apartment above Columbus Circle before embarking on a date across New York City and Coney Island. Fragments of this overridden footage appear during the course of the film. Rob is a f- has a farewell party on May 22, 2008, thrown by his brother Jason and Jason's girlfriend Lily Ford, celebrating his new job as vice president for a company in Japan. Jason gets Rob's best friend Hudson Platt to film testimonials for Rob during the party. Beth, whose feelings are hurt because Rob never called her back after that one night together, brings a new man to the party. Beth and Rob argue, and she leaves shortly before a massive earthquake occurs, causing a brief citywide power outage. The local news reports a capsized oil tanker near Liberty Island. From the roof, the partygoers witness an explosion in the distance and flee as slaving debris flies in their direction. As the partygoers leave the building, the severed head of the Statue of Liberty is hurled onto the street in front of them. In the chaos, HUD cores an enormous creature several blocks away, collapsing the Woolworth building. When the group attempts to evacuate Manhattan, the creature's tail destroys the Brooklyn Bridge, killing Jason and dozens of other people. Hey, whoa, hey. I'm walking here. <laughs> I'm, I'm walking. <laughs> Sorry. News, re- news reports just through the whole podcast. Just, whoa. Hey, whoa. Oh, hey. I'm walking here. <laughs> News reports show the Army National Guard's 42nd Infantry Division attacking the monster. Smaller parasitic creatures fall off its body and attack nearby pedestrians and soldiers. Rob listens to the phone message from Beth, who is trapped in her apartment at the Time Warner Center and unable to move. Rob, followed by Hud, Lily, and Hud's crush, Marlena Diamond, venture into Midtown Manhattan to rescue her. They find themselves in a battle between the creature and military, run into the subway, and are attacked by several of the parasites. While saving HUD, Marlena is bitten by one of the creatures. The four escape the subway and enter an underground mall where she begins to feel unwell. They are found by soldiers and taken to a command center nearby. When Marlena begins bleeding from her eyes, she is forcibly taken to the field hospital and ex- explodes. I don't feel so good. <laughs> so, okay, I'll tell you later. I should have put that one in there. Someone made it really funny. Anyway. <laughs> She explodes. That's so good. This movie's so good. <laughs> Rob's still intending, intending on saving Beth. 
persuades one of the military commanders to let them go. He is informed when the last ev evacuation helicopter will depart before the military executes its hammered down protocol, which will destroy Manhattan in its entirety in order to kill the monster. The surviving group traveled to Beth's apartment building to discover it leaning on a neighboring skyscraper. After crossing roofs from the other building, the group finds Beth impaled on exposed rebar. They free her and make their way to the evacuation site at Grand Central Terminal, where they encounter the creature again. Lily is first rushed into a departing Marine Corps helicopter to escape before the terminal is destroyed. Moments later, Rob, Beth, and Hud are taken away in a second helicopter and witness the creature being bombed. The bombing causes the creature to fall and success is assumed, but then it lunges out of the smoke, hitting the second helicopter and causing it to crash in Central Park, killing all the occupants except Rob, Beth, and Hud. Fifteen minutes before the hammered down protocol is to commence, the trio regain consciousness and attempt to flee. Hud turns back to retrieve the camera when the creature suddenly appears and kills him. Rob and Beth grab the camera and take shelter under an arc as sirens blare and the bombing starts. Rob and Beth each provide their last testimonies of the day's event. The bridge begins to crumble and the camera is knocked out of Rob's hand and buried beneath rubble. Rob and Beth proclaim their love for each other just as the bomb explodes. <laughs> the camera freezing up before the footage cuts. The film ends with a finale. I love you! <laughs> what? What? <laughs> It is it's so dramatic. <laughs> the film ends with the finale of Rob and Beth's trip to Coney Island a month earlier. Unseen by them, an indiscriminate object falls from the sky and into the ocean just before the camera cuts out. Beth states, I had a good day. After the credits... I, good day. I didn't even know that. I never even saw that. Really? Yeah, I didn't see it. After the credits, a voice can be heard saying, help us. When played in reverse, it says, it's still alive. So our director was Matt Reeves, who directed The Batman from 2022 and directed and wrote Dawn of the Planet of the Apes 2014 and War of the Planet of the Apes 2017. The height of cinema. I love those movies. And until they're bad, I'm a fan. Are those the Franco ones or is that the... So Franco's in the first one, but he's not in the second or third one. Okay. I remember only seeing the second and third ones and I did enjoy those. They're really good. Andy Serkis is so good. He plays Caesar. I love Andy Serkis. He's Gollum. Andy Serkis is amazing. He's Gollum. Andy Serkis has so many characters. He is so talented. Mm -hmm. I love those movies. I don't know if anyone else does. I like them. And they're coming out with a fourth one. We just saw the trailer last night. We were in a movie theater. Did you see, um, what's it called? The movie you said you were going to go see? What did you watch? <laughs> the better way to ask that. We saw Thanksgiving. We saw Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. It was good. Yeah. Uh, it's not a great, it is what it is, you know? Like, you go in expecting as much as you think it's going to give. Yeah. But no, Matt Reeves, I think he's made some pretty good movies. I mean, as much as I fell asleep during the Batman, it was good. It was good from what you saw, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, I enjoyed my time that I was awake. Fair enough. <laughs> it's his fault for making it three hours. That's all I'm going to. True. And then we have writer Drew Goddard, who produced The Martian in 2015. He was a writer for Cabin in the Woods, which is, mm -hmm. we love that movie. And he was a producer for The Lost TV Show back in 2011. Yeah. So pretty well-rounded directors and writers on this movie. Yeah, and I think the other guy who did Cabin in the Woods was like a producer or something for this movie. Yeah, it makes sense. They're all kind of entangled each other's work a little bit, so it makes yeah. sense. And J.J. Abrams produced this film as well. So if you, if you didn't like this, you gotta appreciate this was an earlier start for later good stuff. Lots of sci-fi too. Lots of sci-fi stuff for these guys. I don't know why, but every time I went to go like type it into something to look up something about it or like to go watch it, I kept typing in Chronicle. Oh, that's a... Do you, did you ever watch that? Yeah, I did. That's a... It's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> I remember watching when I was middle school. That makes sense. Sociopath teen learns how to fly. 
it it's like it's a i would think a allegory for like kid gets a gun you know or miserable kid gets a gun kind of thing so yeah and it's it's in a similar vein because it's like on they're like filming it the whole time oh yeah it's also camcord yeah that makes sense I just kept, for some reason, mixing the two up in my head. Not that they're, like, that similar. It's just the camcorder. I get that, though. I get it. It's just the Cs. And for some reason, my brain ties it to um, J.J. Abrams just because I think about Super 8. Which also has, like, handheld. It's not handheld shot, but it has a lot of... They have film. Super 8 film. It's all mixed in together, you know? It's all linked. Yeah, I was right in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. You would find it eventually. You would come across it if you just kept going. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, six degrees of separation of Chronicle. That's how this movie feels with everyone that worked on it, you know? Like, it's it's kind of weird that way. Yeah. So we have a cat. We, ha- we do have a cast. <laughs> oh, good. I thought that was AI. <laughs> so we have Lizzie Kaplan, who plays Marlena. Oh, the- good job. Ow, ow. Perfect. Great performance. <laughs> Loved her in Mean Girls. Oh, who's she in Mean Girls? She's Janice Ian, the goth friend. Oh, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. She does look very different. I don't blame you, but that is her. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah. That's why I was going, Whoa. I thought you were just being sarcastic. <laughs> no, I just, I, I love I love her. Well, we have Lizzie Kaplan who plays Marlena. We have Jessica Lucas who plays Lily. Jump scared. TJ Miller who plays HUD. Michael Stahl <laughs> David who plays Rob Hawkins. Mike Vogel who plays Jason Hawkins. And we have Odetta Annabelle who plays Beth McIntyre. Uh, but <laughs> the minute I saw his name on there, I was just distracted the whole time. I'm going to say my opinions for later, but I will say I forgot how much he's in this movie. You hear his voice the entire time. He he won't (laughs) shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. We'll get there. We'll get there with the opinions. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. It's just... (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Uh, we have some tag... We do have a tagline, and it's very generic. It's something has found us. Whoa. (laughs) I have five pieces of trivia. There was not a lot of trivia on here. There was a decent amount for 10 Cloverfield Lane, which we're doing next, by the way. Yeah, exactly. There's a theme here where, yeah. Yeah. First one is Lizzie Kaplan thought that this was a romantic movie until her second audition where she read a scene. After she was offered the role, she found out it was a monster movie and the actors weren't allowed to read the script until after they signed on. I guess they didn't want them to know what it was about because I guess they didn't want to get it leaked or something or maybe they're worried that if they see the scripts they won't want to do it like <laughs> yeah, that too yeah <laughs> maybe the running time of the film without credits is about 80 minutes the length of a long running mini dvd tape the common format used in consumer camcorders oh okay, yeah it's a little play on that yeah. yeah i'll give them that yeah yeah this is said like a million times and a million different things so just be ready to hear it over and over again the head of the Statue of Liberty is shown about 50% larger than actual size. CG supervisor David Vickery said in the interview that many people imagine the head being much bigger than it actually is, and the size was increased due to complaints about the head looking too small in the trailer. Why do men care so much about size? They talk about that with the mon- That's funny. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> they also talk about that with the monster, too. They're like, the scale of the monster changes throughout the movie. I'm like, how? How do you see that? You know? Anyway. Have you tried having fun? He just watched the movie. He just shut up and watched the movie. She shut the fuck up. I thought, so I got this mistaken. They're going to tell you a million times that the Statue of Liberty in the street is inspired by uh, Escape from New York, the movie with uh, Kurt Russell in it, like back in the 80s. Okay. I've heard 
comparisons between the two prior just had never seen either so right right yeah yeah see if new york is interesting i'm trying to remember it but i did watch it yeah during the first weekend of the release many theaters posted signs warning guests that the handheld camera movements may cause motion sickness and i know in blair witch you said it did it really bad and i didn't see it so much in blair witch but i Definitely saw it in this movie. I forgot how I was like watching it. You didn't see it in Blair Witch. I didn't, <laughs> didn't see it in Blair Witch. I've never really observed that in Blair Witch. In this movie, though, I'm like, okay, I get it. Maybe it's because I'm watching it on a full screen TV. I don't know. But with this movie particularly, I'm like, yeah, the motion sickness is pretty bad. That's what a lot of people say too. Well, I wrote down I had some issue with it, but it wasn't as bad as Blair Witch. Really? That's interesting. Blair Witch is pretty bad, dude. I didn't notice it with Blair Witch. I noticed it in this one, though. I mean, they put a medical warning on Blair Witch when it was in theaters. So maybe it's just something that your brain isn't, doesn't think you're being hypnotized or whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, the whole thing. Like, I don't think I pick up on it as much as other people. Or you should be an astronaut or something because you don't get motion sickness. Maybe. I just close my eyes. Just real tight. <laughs> You can't trick me. You can't trick me. My eyes are closed. I can't see anything. <laughs> That's what I would do as a kid. I'm like, the monsters can't get me if I can't see them. All right. I think I'm ready for opinions. Okay. Let me see. I wrote down Beautiful Girls by Sean Kingston. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Very 2008. Mm-hmm. I also realized, like, I could have watched the drama that was happening at the party for a full hour and 20. The first half of this movie, like that first third where it's a party, it's pretty good. Like you are, and I got opinions about it too. I have notes about them. As much as I am not a huge fan of HUD, I would be him being like, did you guys hear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's your best friend. <laughs> Dude. Well, I just love that he's like not recording it. And all he does is do this. Like he just moves the camera down <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> And then the, I wrote inside TJ Miller just for the, the, I mean, his energy, his character's energy. Yeah. And also him being like, you know, Superman and her being like, oh my God, are you aware of Garfield? <laughs> so stupid. He's just dumb. He won't leave her alone. Like, God. Can you imagine there's aliens and he's still more annoying? He's still alive. <laughs> yeah. They didn't get you. They didn't get, they get you. get your dumb ass. Why do you keep finding me? Yeah. That would be my nightmare. I'm like, the city's crumbling, there's aliens, and this guy won't, he won't die, and he keeps fucking finding me. That's a nightmare. Leave me alone. Let, let me die. Let me die, because oh my god. She was probably like, thank god. Thank. Whatever, <laughs> she got bit. She exploded. <laughs> she was like, thank god. I wrote I, that I, uh, I had to watch it a second time, because I didn't know who was who. The names are super confusing. I had to like, look them up. Mm -hmm. I thought Lily... And Beth were like the same person for mm -hmm. a second because it like goes from the bedroom part where it's kind of dark. I can't really see to Jason and Lily outside. I'm like, those are the same two people, correct? And then it gets confusing. I couldn't tell Rob and Jason apart because first of all, the actors look too similar. Yeah, they really do. I mean, they're supposed to play brothers, but like make them distinct. Make one of them a brunette. Yeah, exactly. Get a brunette in there. I don't know. So that was very confusing. And I realized because I had watched it once and then I was reading the plot thing to be like, did I? I know I, I watched it, but what did I retain? Um, so I was reading it <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like it was going through all like the relationships and stuff. I was like, who's Beth? <laughs> I was like, I think I should watch it again, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I rewatched it. It's not like it's a bad movie per se. Right. It's just like so silly. Yes. 
And I, I understand it from like that standpoint of like, we know this is silly. And it's, it was written by the guy who did fucking Cabin in the Woods, which is horror film art, as we called it. Right. Better than Citizen Kane. Yes. So I get, I get it from like that angle. When I saw that he was, he was part of this, I was like, okay, I understand if this is like a satirical take on it mm -hmm. but not but i don't know it's like it's that kind of movie where you're like are you serious right now <laughs> are you joking or no to me i don't and i and i told you this before like this isn't i don't think this is a serious movie no yeah um and it is a dumb movie and i think it's per to an extent purposely made that way you know mm -hmm. some of it's just 2008 <laughs> it, yes exactly it's not great but that's okay it is what it is to me i think this would be a throw-on movie yeah it's a silly monster flick yeah this isn't a good or bad thing this is just a thing it just seemed so like it it was exactly what it telling you it was going to be from the start yes like you you are getting what you paid for yep and if you have any problems with that that's on you for expecting more you exactly it, yes that's a fair way to put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is one of those ones where it's like, if somebody hates this with every fiber of their being, uh, I'm kind of not on your side. What did you want? <laughs> like, come on. It's not like this is a new classic favorite for me or anything. It's just like, I understand what it's doing. I bought what they were selling. I get it. I, I understand. Even for the critics, like, no one hated this movie. It's not worth that. It really isn't. It's really not worth that time. It's really not worth that passion. There's people who love this movie. I'm like, okay, yeah, if that's your thing, cool. I'm probably one of those people that leans more to like liking this movie for sure. But like, I yeah. understand what it is too. I'm not saying this is a good movie. I think I said this to you. It's a good, bad movie, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it feels like in a, not this level, because I feel like this is a lot more intentional, but like, it feels like it's in a similar vein to like the happening. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I am not as much a watching good bad movie kind of person that it's like in the sci-fi realm. I feel like you get more into that, like bad horror, bad sci-fi, bad action. Like you like those. I do. I'm more over here in the bad teen and bad mm. rom-com area. So like I get, I get it. Same stuff though. Same, like the same reasons why we like them, you know? There's a certain degree of self-awareness mm -hmm. in some of them, not all some of them. Of them. <laughs> Sometimes the lack of it makes it funnier. Mm -hmm. I just found this line funny and I don't know how I feel about Rob. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, he's here. I have opinions. I think he's a, kind of a little bitch. But like, whenever he says, if you want to stop me, you're going to have to shoot me. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> if I was Beth, I'd be like, you can stay. You can calm down. Okay. That's such a nightmare. It is such a, it's such a nightmare situation. It is. It's like, that's your male best friend. And it just feels like a male best friend fantasy of like, oh, she loves me too. Yes. Yeah, the men in this movie could do without. They're, they suck. That's all I really had written down about it. I, I understand that your opinion of it sort of changed a little, or at least your expect your what you thought it was was kind of different. Probably my expectations a little bit, because it's like... Was it better or worse? It's just different. Um, well, I notice a lot more things. I'll say that. It's one of those things where I suggest we watch a movie. I'm like, why does this have more serious metaphors than I thought, than I remember having, you know? 
Yeah, I get that fear, but about it being cheesier than I remember often with like movies from my childhood, like Practical Magic. I was sweating. I was like scared. I was like, what if she fucking hates it? I mean, it is cheesy, but it is great. Yeah. See, cheese is fine. Allegory is talking about world events that I forgot were in this movie. And now we have to talk about because the critics talk about it and it's, it's unavoidable. <laughs> I did. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> We'll get there. We'll talk about it. Okay. I don't think this movie's saying anything bad per se. If anything, it's just doing it's just doing classic horror films, and we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, sci-fi and horror have historically been commentary on the current world. Yeah, exactly. And someone talks about that, and we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm gonna go ahead and start with my opinions, and I wrote this down as I was watching it. So one, if I had a one night stand, I understand they're friends, but it's still a one night stand kind of thing. So if I woke up to a one night stand, they woke me up at 6.42 a.m. with a camera in my face. I don't know. I don't think that, I don't, I don't know how it would react. He wouldn't have a camera. There would be no movie. There would be no movie. That camera would have been broken. The police would have been called. <laughs> You've been like, officer, <laughs> he woke me up with a camera in my face. At 6.42 a.m., no <laughs> no on my day off no book him yeah get him officer is this one right here no it's not cute i would have been i would have been pissed i i mean i probably wouldn't have been as upset that he didn't call me yeah i'd be like thank god oh is this something you do in the morning <laughs> is this what you do no is this what you're like <laughs> and then i wrote tj miller jump scare through the whole movie. It's like he, he hasn't talked in a minute and then he talks again and you're like, oh. You're like, God, why is his, why is his audio like blared? Why is he like, why is it blaring? Because he's next to the camera. I hate that. <laughs> why are you still here? Why are you still here? Why are you yelling? <laughs> and then I wrote, so I have a little theory because I was watching this. This is why I got, this is part of why I got confused. Yes, this is exactly. So when the names, when I got confused with the names, I'm like, okay, who's Beth? Who's Lily? Who's Jason? Who's Rob? I was thinking, so Lily's throwing this party for Rob. And his brother doesn't even care. Yeah. She's dating Jason, which is Rob's brother. Lily is acting like she's dating Rob and she's throwing this party for her boyfriend who's leaving. So I got really, really confused. I'm like, who is she dating in this movie? I thought he slept with Beth. Does she not know that he slept... No. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's kind of sweet that she's throwing this whole party for him, but she's like taking it super seriously. She has like a super serious testimonial. She goes, hope you see me as a sister one day. Like, and I get it. She's like, okay, wanting to be part of the family. Like, they've probably been close for a while too. Exactly. But she's really want to make, she's really taking it seriously. And so I thought that was weird. That's something I thought. I like genuinely thought, because she was saying to Jason about the camera, she was like, this is your brother. It's your for your brother. And I, that's why I thought I was like, oh, is she dating Rob? The way she's treating Jason through the movie, I'm like, oh, is he like, are they like friends? Is it? It's very weird. I wonder if that's a storyline that got cut out. Like, I wonder if that was like a whole part of the movie that got cut out. I wonder too, because there's hints of it throughout the whole movie. Beth, uh, who slept with Rob, told Lily in confidence that she slept with Rob. And Lily's supposed to keep that secret. She tries. She tries, but she tells Jason, her boyfriend, and HUD. You know, it happens. You know, you, you, you spill some secrets. I'm assuming this character... You never tell HUD anything because he's HUD. I mean, he literally walked around telling everybody. He, he's literally going to turn around and start telling people. So it's very funny that Beth told Lily her secret and Lily happened to tell HUD, knowing HUD is going to go and tell everyone at this party and embarrass Beth and Rob or split them further apart from each other. That's my theory. That's my working theory. Very sneaky of Lily. That's what I'm saying. 
Something that came to mind for me is Jason says to Rob, I know you don't think that you're good enough for Beth, but you're actually just not good enough for Beth. And then he goes on. I mean, prior to that, he has shown us, the audience, Jason has shown us that he is not good enough for Lily. Yeah. She's like, hey, can you look through the camera and see that I'm holding all this shit? Mm -hmm. She gives him one job to do. He puts it off on HUD. Rob's probably nice to her. And she's probably like, he's the nicer of the two. And I'm stuck with- She she said, you're leaving me with your brother. Yes. Yes. So those, we got all these hints. And then, so they're escaping the city. Jason Mm -hmm. dies on the bridge. And of course, everyone has a reaction. But Rob's a psycho through this whole movie. Rob is only thinking about Beth, which someone else later talks about. I think that's a weird thing when someone has an obsession with saving someone else who isn't a family member or like a long-term partner or something. Like it's just a random person. But this is his best friend. Are they best friends? Yeah, that's they, that's what they say at the beginning. They're longtime best friend. Oh, okay. He's like always been in love with her. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like a small thing. Like even if he wasn't in love with her, that's like, this is your best friend. Okay. That makes sense. Would you? You would get mad at me if I didn't. <laughs> true. I would get mad at you. Like, oh, you didn't even think to call. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Okay. It makes a little bit more sense. But his like this, he has this like infatuation connection to her, not like a. Yeah. And that's how I viewed it through the movie. He's like infatuated with her. And here's the thing. He didn't call her or text her weeks after. And I get it. He was leaving for Japan. But it's like, that's not how you treat someone you like or you love. Yeah. You either make it work or you at least talk to him and go, I don't know if this is going to work. You at least communicate that. You would talk it out. You would work it out. However way that might end up. You don't do that to somebody you care about. You don't go someone you love. No. Especially when you're about to leave the country. Exactly. When you're about to not see them again. And just because you're, it sucks that you're leaving. I don't know. That's your choice though, dude. That's like this man notion of like, if I don't talk to her, then I never have to confront the emotion of it, of leaving. But that I'm going to get pissed at her when she moves on with her life. I mean, it was kind of messy. It was very messy of her to bring somebody to his going away party. Kind of a move, though. Kind of a move. Because he ignored her for so many weeks. Oh, you're going to ignore me? Okay, let me get your attention then. I think it's a power move. Feel bad for the dude she brought. (laughs) Oh, that guy's in Mad Men, too. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the dude who cuts his nipple off. It's Ginsburg. I forget that. Yeah. He gives it to Peggy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, he didn't he didn't call her. He didn't care. And like, it's it's one of those things where he has this idea of her in his head. Mm -hmm. And like, he's infatuated with her. He's living off that one day they had together. And it's emphasized by the fact that that's the tape that got recorded over. And but it's such like the the fact that it ends with them being in love with each other and it, it confessing their love at the end. That's where it feels like this movie was written by somebody who's in love with their best friend. Yeah, it doesn't feel like that's how it would have gone. Sorry, we'll if there's any uh boys in love with their best friends out there, don't do it, dude. Just don't leave be. her alone. Don't be. Just you're gonna don't. you're gonna fuck up the whole scenario. Just keep it to yourself. And then you're gonna be an asshole because they don't like you back. And then because your feelings are gonna get hurt, your ego's gonna get hurt. The minute you admit that, it ruins the friendship. You're Just, gonna ruin it, everything. It will immediately ruin the friendship because every time she thinks about every nice moment, she's gonna think about the fact that you were only there because you wanted to get in her pants. Mm-hmm. You can't fix so it don't after. Do it. Stop There's being no her friend. It's probably it. easier. Probably. Move. No. Just move. Just move. So after covering that, so Jason dies on the bridge. They have a big emotional moment. Lily chooses to go after Rob to save Beth. 
And to me, that just doesn't make sense because the military is right there to evacuate them. I'm like, why do you, why do you care? Why do you care? Why do you care that much? And also Rob's doing the stupidest thing is going to go save someone. And I get it. He loves her, but like, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, for a family member or a loved one or for you, I would go. I account as a loved one. You are. You. Yes, you are a loved one. Yes. I wanted to emphasize you. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find a way to be insulted. Don't worry. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. Youngest trial. <laughs> Coming out a little. <laughs> Jumped out there Jumped for a second. Jumped out there for a second. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's not, you're not on good terms. I understand, like, you are trying to right a wrong. Like, you got into a, like, the way they framed it, it was like, near-death scenario you're you just lost your brother you're like life is short I mean, like the alien in the sky and attacking manhattan was probably more of an indicator than anything life is short but like i get it from like to a certain extent with that and i get rob's perspective that's fine it's like whatever yeah but lily wanting to tag along that's weird and then hud too is like i'm just gonna film this too i'm just gonna go gotta keep documenting i know it just takes up this role of like i gotta document everything i'd be like no i'm leaving i'm going to safety i'm going with the i'm going with the military so i just found that kind of odd also marlena what is she doing why is she with them i would have left i mean lily's her best friend or whatever not her best friend they're good friends it's like the only reason she was even there but i Hmm. I, this is a complete flip from the other thing where mm -hmm. I was like, if I, you needed to come save me, fine. Yeah. If you were running off to save somebody, no, <laughs> probably not as much. And here's the thing. It's not even me saving my love or my... No, no. Yeah. You're tagging along with somebody else saving somebody. Yeah. Not going. I'm not going. No. Weird. It, that's a lot. I think you're allowed to go, I'm good. I was looking it up. Nobody else thought this? I didn't see anyone else write anything about it. I saw that storyline. That's what I saw. And I do think something's there. That's what initially confused me. And through that confusion, I was like, why is she so obsessed with him, you know? That's a good, that's a good, yeah. That's it. That's really what I'm focused on. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what the critics have to say because I was a little surprised by the positive it did have a decent rating uh, it's like 70 something for critics 60 something for audience members you know and it has its fans mm -hmm. first one is a positive review written by mark savlov in 2008 it's from the austin chronicle although the online community has been positively abuzz regarding cloverfield since a mysterious teaser trailer ran before screenings for transformers this past summer no one not even the intrepid folks of cloverfield clues.blogspot.com really knew much all about the plot of this ultra-secret project from Lost creator J.J. Abrams and writer-director Reeves. I'm not going to spoil that mystery either, but I will say this. Cloverfield is the most intense and original creature feature I've seen in my adult movie-going life. And that's coming from a guy who knows his Harry Hausen from his Honda. Cloverfield isn't a horror film. It's a pure-blood, grade-A, exultantly exhilarating monster movie in the grand tradition of the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, It Came From Beneath the Sea, and to a lesser extent, Marion C. Cooper's King Kong. What makes Cloverfield so memorable and such a genuinely riveting film-going experience has less to do with the creature itself, whatever it is, and everything to do with Reeves' direction, and a whip-smart, stylistically invisible screenplay that dispenses entirely with any and all genre rules 
and brilliantly views the catastrophic, literally earth-shaking events through the lens of one character's digital video camera, complete with rough, nerve-jangling, in-camera edits, and an official Department of Defense eyes-only timestamp, by which meets Godzilla with the audience allowed only as much information about what exactly is happening as the characters have themselves, and it works fantastically well. And that's key to the film's second stroke of genius. It's nearly subconscious evocation of our current paranoid, terror-phobic times. The pall of post-9-11 dread hangs over Cloverfield in a very emotionally tangible way, although it should be noted that Reeves and Abrams never directly refer to it, although they do in a nice nod to genre enthusiasts reference the one-sheet poster for John Cropper's Escape from New York. Sitting in the theater, watching all hell break spectacularly loose in Lower Manhattan again, you can't help but wish that the giant behemoths and warring gargantuas were all that our post-atomic sensory had to worry about. No such luck and no giant flying turtle to save us either. Okay, I guess I, I wasn't prepared for what the positivity would be. People who love this movie really, really like it. They really do. I understand if you feel this way. Mm-hmm. It just is, it feels like dystopian <laughs> i don't know i don't think that's the right word it just feels weird to like why is he hyping this movie up so much yeah i understand sort of the 9-11 thing yes and a lot of critics i feel like every critic i mention mentions that allegory so it's reminiscent and there's lots of scenes from that movie that are like that looks like 9-11 pictures like the dust it's calling back to it and you know it's doing the monster thing like it's like an allegory yeah. for it it's not saying it's not really saying a message about it at all other than it's just reminiscing about it kind of it's just kind of portraying something that's similar mm-hmm. in like an allegorical way you know like godzilla kind of way but you know godzilla yeah. is allegorical is it an allerg- allegory for you know so he's allergic to gluten <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing as like Godzilla is in is an analogy for uh you know the bomb. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it's it's doing the same thing. But also with this specific thing like harkening back to the visuals from 9/11, I think that it's also just like a device for filmmaking to be like we know that's scary. We yeah. know that that is a terrifying feeling and it kind of taps into that for the audience of like oh this isn't too different. From what we've experienced or what we've seen on the news and what we watched happen on 9-11 like that's this is so it's like more so for the benefit of an emotional response mm-hmm. rather than like saying anything it, yeah. yeah saying anything mm-hmm. it's just like you know how this felt yeah connect the dots yeah i also like in a in the comparison i feel like jennifer's body had a lot to, had more to say about 9-11 and criticizing the response yeah. if we're going to talk about like something focusing in on 9-11 and these movies came out in a similar time i think around 2008 yeah like i want to say like a year apart maybe not very long mm-hmm. so it was like a very reflective time especially it seems like enough time had passed for people to start having some sort of commentary or depiction of it and people not be turned off by that yeah it just seems like a thing we see more so in this era of post 9-11 filmmaking definitely back to the other things they were saying like i'm not trying to be a dick like this isn't a bad movie this isn't like garbage or anything oh yeah but it's not this good (laughs) yeah this this movie didn't even intend to do all that no what strikes me is like this person is a very much a godzilla fan like they they are watching all the movies from back in the day up until now this is a fan hardcore fan so for them to like this movie uh, saying it's the best it says something yeah i don't know 
you know, maybe this is something snobby about me. Mm -hmm. I just, and you know, yes, like we were saying, they are a reflection of the things that happen in society, specifically with monster movies. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of them are really top tier. You know? You gotta be, I guess you gotta be a a monster flick fan, you know? It's gotta be your thing. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't like horror could come in and say the same thing about Mm -hmm. the way that we are analyzing and talking about horror. Yeah. So, you know, I will, I'll try to be a little less snobby about it, (laughs) is I guess where we'll go with that. But I don't know. I just, maybe I'm just not capable of seeing it that way. I don't know. I, and I do think too, like, it's, I think this is one of those movies where when it came out, it was probably... That too, yeah. It is probably aged since it came out. This is a few steps away from being the happening. Yes. <laughs> this is a few, yeah. Did that also come out in 2008? I want to say pretty close. It can't be that far in years. I mean, next to the happening, this does look really good. Exactly. Exactly. This is a good movie compared to the happening. That's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, 2008. Mm. Um, that's kind Dang, of unfortunate okay, that's for him to It's very, very unfortunate. Okay, uh, now I'm getting a gauge of what the f- the lovers of this film feel. I would say this is probably the most passionate critic we have. And then I think our last one is like pretty, like probably how I view the movie. Yeah. So this is our negative one. Cloverfield, a monster movie where Godzilla makes a Manhattan party scene. It's by Kevin Crust, 2008. With the running times of most popcorn movies lurching well past two hours on the way to three these days, it's not often that we're left wanting more, but precisely the response induced by the 21st century monster movie Cloverfield as it clocks in at a brisk 85 minutes. I will say this movie does get bonus points for being so short. Yeah, I didn't want more. No, we were fine with 85. Just leave it where it's at. (laughs) It's fine where it's at. (laughs) <laughs> executed by a trio tv veterans producer jj abrams writer drew goddard and director matt reeves the movie stars a group of fresh-faced up-and-comers as young hipsters throwing a farewell party for a friend about to leave the country for a new job it initially unfolds as a Matt manhattan yuppie drama populated by sensitive dudes and spunky bays but quickly becomes a rap sushi style an fx driven nori of a godzilla flick is the, are, are they hipsters i don't know what do you call rich people in new york Young, rich people in New York. Because that's a big apartment they have. Yeah, I think also TV and movies from that era Mm -hmm. have fucked up my notion of what normal people were like then. Yes. Except for paranormal activity. I'm like, oh, those are normal people. No, but like, I've seen that. I've been in a house like that. Yeah. Those are the houses we, we grew up in and all our friends had. Yeah, but movies like this, I'm like, for a minute, I was like, is that what normal people are? We're like... And it's like, no, oh, they were actually just rich. Rich young uh, people. Snobs. Yeah, I don't know. honestly. They're listening to Sean Kingston. I'm, I'm cool with them. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't call them hipsters, though. I don't think they're hipsters. No, they just seemed like regular people. Yeah. Yuppie, maybe. Yuppie for sure. Mm-hmm. But hipster? Is That's that a stretch. Hip- I mean, okay. Because hipster then was like the like Lily Allen, like twee yeah like listening to singer songwriters i feel like anyone older than that like especially this person writing this at this time if they are older any young person's a hipster zoe de chanel that's what was considered hipster back then yeah so i think they could fit in that a little more yeah okay i know what you're talking about 500 days of summer like yeah okay i get what you're saying now yeah i guess marlena too definitely oh for sure Nobody talked about the Smiths, so I guess we didn't hear it. But. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't explicit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
The filmmakers effectively evoke contemporary fears, conjuring images reminiscent of 9-11, before revealing their creature, an enormous reptilian beast with the capability of reducing skyscrapers to rubble in a matter of seconds. In fact, so involving is the initial rush of terror, they probably could have held out even longer before exposing the monster as it takes a bite out of the Big Apple. Okay. I also, I, I think partially what makes this movie, the 9-11 thing, not really stick out as much mm-hmm. to me. Like, I get it, it's in New York, but I mean, there's been disaster movies in New York since then. Yeah. And also, we've seen a lot of bad shit and buildings turned to rubble since then. Mm-hmm. At the time, a lot of Americans, because we're so, like, America-centric and we're filled with just our own stuff all the we're time. We're so narcissist, you know, narcissistic. Yeah. That to Americans who were like a little older at the time, it was like, that's the scariest thing you can think of. That was when we were under attack, so it's the scariest. Yeah. And for us, growing up and being like two or three years old when that happened, Mm -hmm. I don't remember that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Definitely. And I've seen a lot of bad shit since then, so this doesn't phase me as much. I don't don't know why everybody sounds like they're so scared. Like, I get it, but... Yeah, I, I mean... Thinking in context, this is seven years. I mean, in the movie, you when they're running up to the roof, you hear someone go, this is another attack. This is another, you know. Yeah. So it's it's not like it's yeah. not talking about that in the movie, but. I get it. But the like, the government thing at the beginning was bone chilling. Chill out. <laughs> Calm <Dude. it> down. <laughs> go take a nap, go Grandpa. Take a nap. Like, we're so, and I think we're just in a, we're, I mean, think about it. We're in such a new era. Yeah, and that's what I mean. We're in a whole new world right now, and our perspective on our government is so different. different. It's like the fucking Blair Witch thing. If I did, if I was around whenever it was debated if it actually happened or not, maybe I would have liked it. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. 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 Like if we were, if we watched it in that era when we were old enough to understand everything, maybe it would have been more frightening to us. And like seeing that for the first time too. Yeah. You never know. Though the 20-minute or so party scene begins to feel like a pilot for a soon-to-vanish TV series, I would have watched it. (laughs) Two more seasons. Two more seasons. (laughs) It allows the audience time to invest in the characters who are ably played by actors who good looks don't preclude convincing performances. Particularly strong strong is Stahl Stahl David, whose heroic quest to locate Beth drives the drama, and Kaplan, who resembles a young Deborah Winger as a quirky outsider. One of the traditional advantages of casting unfamiliar faces is that the order in which they get picked off is not so blatantly obvious as in movies in which there is a clear pecking order. There's a visceral pit of the stomach dread to the scenes of urban destruction that rise above mere genre. Once the group of partiers is whittled to the core, the drama is intensified not only by the imminent threat but also by the underlying and universal fear of being alone. Abrams, Goddard, and Ree successfully mine this communal unease while alleviating just enough tension to keep in the realm of entertainment. Cloverfields is adept at ringing Maximus suspense and might have reached the heights of the Korean monster film, The Host, but for the limitations of the camcorder ploy. While it injects the film with run-and-gun urgency, the device grows tiresome and ultimately leaves the film short change. Charged with the primary duty of carrying the camera, HUD takes chronicling the destruction of the city as a badge of honor, but it frequently exceeds the point where we can comfortably be expected to maintain our suspension of disbelief. Similarly, the film's brevity, though admirable on some level, feels like an indication that the filmmakers simply exhausted their ideas of making the strategy work. No, they probably cut out the line, the storyline about Lily being in love with Rob. And I would have probably liked the movie even more. Because that would have added some sort of, like... 
drama and sus- that would have added suspense in its own way because like i want to know what happens when we get to beth and save beth is lily gonna get mad like what's gonna happen what's happening yeah i don't know i i think i just found this movie too goofy to feel drawn in by any suspense and i think that's fine yeah it's just i'm having a hard time i'm just like really like they're in they're in merge into it you know you're thinking really hard about it and maybe we don't get it maybe that's maybe we're completely wrong like maybe we're completely missing this masterpiece yeah but like overall i don't think they're wrong no no i think they say correct things in there yeah this last one is written by a woman. She gave it a good review. It's a three and a half out of four. Oh, and you said this is the one that's... She kind of puts in perspective that I do, that I thought about this movie. I read this and I was like, okay, that's how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Written by Sarah Michelle Fetters back in 2008. She wrote, Gloverfield is undeniably silly. Producer J.J. Abrams, director Matt Reeves, and writer Drew Goddard have taken films like Godzilla and It Came From Beneath the Sea and throw them into the Blair Witch Project meat grinder. It is not a film full of profound sights or deep meditations on the human condition. It isn't going to move audiences to tears or impart some vital piece of philosophical philosophical wisdom they didn't even know they needed to hear. What that's, it, that's kind of, sorry. I, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sci-fi doesn't necessarily have to give you something. It can make you look at it and think. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a that's a much better way to say it. It's not it's not a film that's profound it's, and deep. It doesn't have a deeper meaning. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be, yeah. What it is going to do is scare the hell out of them, which is exactly what this lean, mean, terror fuel machine was meant to do, playing inherent fears fueled by a world caught up in a maelstrom of terrorism and war reeves traps the viewers inside a scenario that's frequently spiraling and out of control the audience is as clueless and as frightened as the protagonist comprehending just as much or maybe just as little as the few survivors do in the film's conclusion i don't think it's that scary it's very pg-13 it's not that scary that's what i'm saying i'm like where when i was a kid yeah i was probably scared of this especially the little bug things that come after them yeah but like it's a pg-13 it's it's really not going to scare you that much and I'm too distracted by how fucking annoying HUD is. Exactly. And how stupid Rob is to be scared by anything. Yeah, exactly. I understand that most of the comparison to Blair Witch comes from just the fact that it's found footage mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I feel like also, I don't think it was necessarily intentional or maybe it was and we picked up on it. Mm-hmm. Characters are <laughs> fucking annoying. Yeah. That's another thing I could see similar between the two where you're like, I don't really care if you live or die. Uh, <laughs> I do want to see the end. You know, yeah, I want to see, I want to see where the, you end up going with it. You know, where, where do you die? Where do you die? How do you die? <laughs> when do you die? When do you die? <laughs> Cloverfield uses its Harry Hawson inspired storyline to subtly evoke dread and terror in a way that does not feel exploitive. By using old school monster movie conventions, the story gives the modern world a set of teeth, a slew of menacing claws, and a bunch of carnivorous youngsters ready to rip everything and everyone to pieces, and by doing so becomes viscerally disturbing, yet also surprisingly comforting in almost cool measure. It's a comfort movie. I get that. It's a comfort monster movie. Sorry, I didn't realize she had said comforting at the end. I was like, what are you talking about? I know, it caught me, <laughs> caught me off guard, but I was like, okay, I, I get that. I would... I would s- in a way say that too i think it's also like there's a certain level of it that's for me i think how i could see it being comforting is like it's really not that scary yeah or intense it's very watchable in that way yeah Listen, I doubt anyone involved with this directly making any sort of political commentary. It is also obvious that scenes of billowing clouds of smoke hurling down the streets of New York and sights of buildings crashing into rumble can't help but evoke painful memories. 
But Reeves has made a bold and fiercely compelling saga of pandemonium and survival. By the time events conclude, I couldn't help but feel like the story had sprung forth from a deep inside the national psyche, forcing the viewer to engage in potentially uncomfortable conversations and could prove to be hauntingly cathartic in the long run. Not that we should be taking any of this too seriously. At its heart, this is still a digitally shot, handheld found footage throwback to an era of filmmaking that's sadly come and gone. For a blissfully exhausting Fast and Furious 80 minutes, Reeves pays homage to the 1950s giant monster classics while also imaginatively making the genre deviously his own. Cloverfield brings down the house and that's exactly as it should. Uh, two things about this make me want to tell this person to not buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> Hauntingly cathartic, I don't know. I don't know. For everybody, maybe for the people who are older than us, they would see this and be like, wow, this is bringing me back. But again, not something that I feel personally. Yeah. Also, this came out the same year as uh, Paranormal Activity as well. Mm. That era was not had not come and gone. It was actually ramping up. Yeah, that's yeah. Because <laughs> like she said, this was in two thousand eight. I was like, I mean, several handheld movies. I mean, is she talking about? Because she said found footage throwback to an era that has come and gone. That's so interesting. I wonder why she would say that. Because I I guess it had been technically nine years. Oh. It had been almost ten years since. Blair Witch came out. Okay. So it's like, oh, okay, well, and a bunch of movies didn't get made immediately after. And the sequel to Blair Witch didn't do well. So it's, I guess we'll never have any more. Don't buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> there are so many. Because I was about to say, like, I mean, this one just got made. Yeah, Paranormal Activity probably hadn't come out yet, but. It, there's a chance of that. Yeah, VHS, that whole franchise, like. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's, it was on, it would come around. Chronicle. Chronicle. Mm-hmm. forgot about that movie that's crazy but like you know i feel like in some way chronicle had to have been inspired by cloverfield absolutely so really the only thing i agree with her completely on was it's a silly movie and don't take it too seriously yeah it's not that scary so i do have to disagree with that it's as scary as a pg-13 movie gets i appreciate that she is the only of these three critics to be able to be like oh it's silly guys it's silly it's not that serious uh so audience reviews we're gonna start with a 10 out of 10 from imdb I was sincerely terrified at moments. 2008. Plain and simple, you either love or hate this movie. No in between. I loved it, my girlfriend hated it, and got really sick. Do not see this movie if you have motion sickness. If you can handle the shakiness, then you'll really feel involved. It was fantastic. The special effects were amazing, and the terror seemed so real. The scale of the monster seemed to change, but even that, <laughs> even that did not disturb my enjoyment of the film. I've heard that this guy behind the camera referred to as an idiot, but the sold-out audience and myself found him really funny. Well worth the hype. Go see it. Here's the thing. Okay, like, yeah, I get motion sickness pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe there's something about this movie. It was just so far beyond. My brain was even like, that's not real stupid. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like if you saw it in theaters, it was... Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I got more motion sickness from the Hunger Games. Oh, true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is one of the guys that was like, yeah, the scale of the monster changed. I'm like, how could... How are you noticing that? Who is paying that much attention? Who's paying that much attention to the movie? Whatever. So this is a two stars from Letterboxd. And it says, dumbest group of people I've ever seen in an apocalypse film. Not the dumbest, but they're up there, I'll say. Not the dumbest, but they are just stupid the whole time. Yeah. Like, I'm questioning, like, why are you all doing this? They're up there. Yeah. Next one's three and a half stars from Letterboxd. The best part of this movie is when TJ Miller shuts the fuck up. This part is when he dies and he stops filming. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play the shut the fuck up game. Your turn. Your turn. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> 
That is true. I was enjoying it whenever I forgot he was there. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next one is two and a half stars. And a lot of people brought this up. Like a lot of people were like, this could not happen. Camera battery goals. And it's just so many people are like, what kind of camera are they using? What batteries are in that camera? Because it's kind of crazy that it would last that long. It's just like, why are you thinking about that? It's one day, guys. <laughs> this is coming up more for this movie than it did for fucking Blair Witch, which didn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. This is not the movie where I was thinking about that. No kidding. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No. And it's one day. It's it's one day of using it. It's only, it's, yeah, it's hours. It's not even a full day. Yeah. Next one is a one star from Letterboxd. I'm just going to stick with 10 Cloverfield Lane. Same here. Honestly, I would much, that's, that movie is comforting to me and I would much prefer to watch that. I can't wait to rewatch it because I honestly don't have a lot of memory from, like, I only watched it once. <laughs> I don't, like, I remember what happens, but like, I, I'm really excited to watch it again. It is a movie that anytime it pops up on a streaming service, I'm going to watch it. I don't like seek it out, but anytime I see that it's on something, I'm like, I want to watch it now. That's just a good go-to for you. <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. One star from Letterboxd. It's quick, it's predictable, it's irritating, it's a bit like an outdoor The Mist, which I kind of get. I saw comparisons to that when I was looking up the if Lily and Rob were in love. Yeah. Did you see The Mist? No. I think I started it a long time ago, but never. I rewatched it recently. It's based on a Stephen King novel. It's an interesting movie. I'm not saying it's a good movie, but it is interesting, and I get what they're saying from it. I know the, the concept of it, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I do agree with this person, but I don't hate it for this movie. Yeah. I know what this movie is, so I'm ready for it. It would be more annoying if this movie was long, you know? Yes. This movie is so short. It is so short. It has the courtesy. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Like, I can't really blame it. It's so short. I can't be mad. Two stars. Letterboxd. I feel like this film would be significantly better if the character behind the camera was literally anyone else besides T.J. Miller. I had a lot of T.J. Miller hating on this one. He is there. He's so loud. I wish I could shake the hand of every person who worked on this amazing movie and ask them why it's called Cloverfield. Why is it called Cloverfield? Because after stuff is destroyed, all that's left and will probably grow through it is a bunch of clovers. Is that a thing? I don't know. I'm bullshitting right now. I was about to say, like, are you just bullshitting? Because I think I think you actually had an answer ready. I think you were actually going to go, so it's this thing <laughs> called after, like, a disaster. I thought you were actually going to say something. <laughs> I was like, what the? You had me for a second. <laughs> oh my god anyway but it doesn't make any sense because i was like oh isn't the street that they're on called cloverfield there's nothing in that movie that suggests they're on a street called cloverfield there's never a street that says cloverfield lane there's never the only thing that's called cloverfield in that movie is the tape but that's it so why is it called cloverfield i might be onto something clovers can grow through concrete I doubt that's why this movie's called Cloverfield. I think that's a pretty good answer because the whole city is about to be fucking destroyed to kill that thing. Mm -hmm. All that's going to be left is rubble and destruction and it'll be pretty inhabitable. And what will grow from it? Clovers probably. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give you credit because you're the only one with an answer. So as far as anyone can say, that's the only answer. Because this person is like, why is it called Cloverfield? There is no other answer. So... There you go. That's 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 the answer. <laughs> the only answer that's given is just that's what the the government named the yeah the that's the, the name thing. of the tape. That's it. But nothing else 
hints to why it's called Cloverfield. It's supposed to be something like like the Manhattan Project. It's just the project name. Oh, okay. But still, that's so weird. I think my answer is pretty good. And if they need an answer, they can just use mine. <laughs> You can contact you. <laughs> it can grow through concrete. That's such a thing. I it, somebody's thinking over here, and it's me. It's me. <laughs> the only one producing answers. So okay. I can't say you're wrong. I can't say you're wrong. This is three and a half stars from Letterbox. Got a new weed guy, and this, and this came on Sky just when he had popped in, and we ended up watching all of it together. I love that. That's cute. Yeah, I like that one. I like interactions like that where you just accidentally end up watching a movie with somebody. You just end up hanging out. You just accidentally hang oh. out. Those are pretty wholesome. I've done that with your mother. <laughs> like, Yeah. I had to leave to go pick up my dad from work. <laughs> you got left with my mother. You just watched a movie together. She's like, here's a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This next one's three stars from Letterboxd. Cloverfield is trying for what it is. It has the late 2000s charms to it. There's a lot of creativity as a found footage monster movie, but it's still bogged down by the cliche characters and typical tropes you see in most found footage films. Now, 10 Cloverfield Lane, though, that's the one. John Goodman is so good at 10 Cloverfield he's Lane. He's really, he's good in everything, though. Like, I couldn't tell you a John Goodman movie where he's not good in it. Even if it's a bad movie, John Goodman's good in it. Yeah. Second to last one. This is a four and a half stars from Letterboxd. Not big on found footage, but this has always been considered my fave and only one I ever, ever really rewatch. Does great at building up the characters during the party, and when shit hits the fan, we're sucked in right with them throughout this terrifying journey. The set designs look fantastic, and with any found footage, it gets shaky, yet this still managed to pull off some beautiful shots. The aliens are epic in scale, and the whole beginning sequence after the party was amazing, plus it flies by from there. Found footage made it unique for this premise, but it's funny to think you'd be filming this type of situation. And they gave it an 8.9 out of 10. The, a realization, because I said the thing like, whenever we intellectualize horror, if somebody who didn't like horror heard that or didn't like the movie we were talking about heard that, they might think we're just doing too much. Mm -hmm. It really reminds me of like, if somebody didn't see like paranormal activity the way that we see it, they would think that we are doing way too much for that movie. Yeah, we're thinking way too hard. And, you know, I'm kind of... I get it. Like, yeah, if you don't see it, you don't see it. Yeah. This is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled, I Know What the Monster Is, spoiler, Jan January 2008. Now, I include this one because I thought they were revealing something that at the time I didn't know, but in the plot, when I was reading the plot, it already says something. So I'm not reading anything new here. Mm -hmm. Cloverfield overall was a great movie, fun party at the beginning, and non-stop action. Drama, suspense, all through the rest of the film. I love the scene when the helicopter crashed and I look up and see the monster. I froze in my seat. The movie was great action, was great, and at the end of the movie you find out the monster is in fact an alien well if you watch carefully after explosion. It gets back to a scene in Coney Island and off in the distance in the far right hand corner you see a great dot fall from the sky into the water. Yes, that's right, I got chills and that made the movie for me. I was glad they threw that little bit of info i think they were saying what's that you said <laughs> an alien yeah they did not put any periods in any of that so it was just or commas or commas i had i really did not notice that in the original so i have to go back and rewatch that yeah was that the only indication that it was aliens i just thought it was like weird creature apparently yeah I, I would i think i just assumed it was aliens but only because i had seen mm -hmm. 10 cloverfield lane i was like i know that's aliens so they, they talk about like oh it's probably aliens or it could be a monster that is from deep underneath the sea that called out crawled out of a crevice 
So they're debating whether it's even even from Earth or if it is from Earth, it's from like deep in the ocean. Kind of like Godzilla in that way, you yeah. know? I don't know, but it's trying to kill us. Exactly. So, uh... <laughs> exactly. It's one of those things. Mm -hmm. So that was all the reviews. If you had to rate it, what would you rate it? Five. I was going to say five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We were really <laughs> on the same page. Okay. Because I was thinking Good. six, but I'm like, that's high. It's too high. That's a little yeah. too high. That's too much credit for it. I think it's a solid five. Yeah. You have anything else you want to say? No, I think I'm good. Okay. So if you want to reach out to us or give us movie suggestions to do in the future, you can reach us on our Instagram at Easy Big Takes. We also have a TikTok at Easy Big Takes. We have our website, easybigtakespodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a rating wherever you listen if you can. Follow us wherever you listen. Share us with a friend because it really helps us out a lot. And Thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Big Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.